how many of you have been coming on Sunday night? Raise your hand. Oh, hey, that's a pretty good portion of you. How many of you never come on Sunday night? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand. No, no. Uh, but I hope you do. Hope you'll start coming on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Well, we're having a good, good, great number of people coming. But we're dealing with the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a book nestled in the Old Testament that is a wonderful, it is a really a prophetic book in many ways. It deals with the relationship between Christ and the church. You see, when you get saved by the grace of God, that's not the end. Praise God. That's just the beginning. And you're to grow in the Lord and to walk with him. He, he came, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know if you understand that or not, but he wanted to be God with you. He didn't want to be God at church. He didn't want to be God in, in your, just your general conversation. He didn't want to be God in your, your Christmas cards. He wanted to be God in your life. And he wanted to walk with you and talk with you and fellowship with you. And, and you get to know him intimately. Paul cried out I, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And so, my dear friend, it, that's what it's all about. And in the book of the Song of Solomon, just kind of give you a brief synopsis of what, where we are, because you'll have to know that. In the, in the first chapter, there is a scene as the book opens. And there's the bride and she is addressing the, the bridegroom who is both a king and a shepherd. And it appears that, it, it, as God spoke to my heart about the book, that she has been working diligently. She's working hard for her love. But she's not enjoying or loving him. She's doing things for him, but not spending time with him. She has been laboring, but not loving. And you have to be careful about that even for your children sometime. Because you think sometimes that if you give them the right pair of tennis shoes and the right kind of clothes, that that's what they really won't really need. But they really need your time and your touch and your, your communication with them. And we all get so busy sometimes we don't do that. We try to substitute other things. But here's this relationship between Christ and the church. And she cries out in chapter one and she said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She wants that close relationship with the Lord. The Bible tells us in the last days that many, many, the love of many shall wax cold. And he said, uh, as he looked at the church in the book of Revelation, he said, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. That's that love relationship with Christ. He said plainly that in the last days, many, their love will grow cold. They won't love the Lord like they ought to. They won't have any intimacy or fellowship with him. And, and, and the Bible says that he notices that and he rebukes us. And he says, you've left your first love. We're to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And so what happens is when she cries out to him and she said, Lord, what I want is you. And what I want is fellowship with you. She said, let him kiss with the kisses of his mouth. And then she said, for thy love is better than wine. He shows up. If you'll, if you'll seek him, he'll, he'll seek you. If you, you focus on him, if you desire him, he'll come to you. He'll meet with you and fellowship with you. But you've got to set your affections on him. Set your heart on him and long for him. Well, then we see her in a progression how that she, she follows him and she's drawn by him. And he says, she said in the chapter just previous to this that I preached on a, a couple of something nights ago, he brought, he, I sat down under his tree and like an apple tree. She said, I sat down with great delight. She learned to delight herself in her, in him. 
And she said, his fruit was sweet to my taste. And then she said, he brought me into the banqueting room and his banner over me was love. And thank God, what a, what a bountiful feast and what a time of fellowship. And last night we had a little taste of that in revival. It just, it was just a blessing. I tell you, our, our choir sang and blessed and, and it was a blessing to me. I was just feasting and, and, and getting blessed, feasting at the feet of Jesus. Then, then she said, his left hand is under my head and with his right hand, he doth embrace me. He pulls her close to himself and her her attention is controlled by his left hand to focus completely on him. And he's, she's pulled to his chest and she feels his heartbeat. I'm just wondering this morning, if in your relationship with Christ, you've ever been there at all. Have you ever been to that place? Is it just a cold, stale, no meaning to you? How many of you walked in this morning sitting and and just kind of hoping that I don't go much past 12 o'clock and you're going to endure it to the end? I I wonder how many of you walked in here this morning and you knew Christ was with you and you had fellowship with him before you got here and you just were blessed by the choir so much and the singing. And and then, Lord, uh, when Brent sang how God blessed your heart and you and your heart were saying up and up and down, you might not have raised your hand. You might not have jumped up. Some of you did. But that you were saying, thank God, I'm not ashamed. He's real to me. Well, he ought to be that real to you. He ought to be as real as the person sitting beside you. And that's what it's all about. When you get saved, the God of heaven, the God of creation comes into your heart crying, Abba, Father. That's not joining a Baptist church. That's not baptism. That's not going through some religious ritual. That's something real and genuine. He's real. And she says, I want him. Well, in that relationship, what we saw last Sunday night was this. All of a sudden, she looks and he's outside. And she says she sees him skipping upon the mountains and the hills. And he shows himself at the door and at the lattice. And she's behind this wall. You know what? She she said, boy, I I love him and I'm so close to him and I'm I'm just enjoying this so good. There's nothing that's bothering me and I'm in spiritual ecstasy. I want to just stay right here. In this situation, that's kind of what happened when they went up on the mount with the Lord in the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, and Peter said, let's, let's just build three tabernacles. Let's just stay up here. The Lord said, we got to go back down in the valley. You got to get out there and do. But what, what he's showing her is this, the significance of him leaping upon the mountains and the hills, that speaks of victory. That's his resurrected power. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations. You see, what he wants us to do as Christians is learn to love him in public. Learn to live every day of our life knowing him and loving him and fellowshipping with him and him being real to us and demonstrating that to a lost, dying world that has no hope and has no joy. My dear friend, watch what happens. She doesn't respond to that. And sometimes people are, are... sleepy and they're, they're dead and they don't have any joy and look around you and they, they don't have any zeal of the Lord. And then there's some who have come to a place where they just really love the Lord. They're in the Bible, they're reading the word of God, they're praying and they're having a great time in the Lord, but they're not still where God wants them to be. 
He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wants us to reach people for Christ. He wants to touch us to touch people in his name for his glory. And he calls her, he calls her name. She said, the voice of my beloved. He calls her, but she doesn't respond. And so now come with me to chapter three and see where she's at. She says in chapter three, verse one, by night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him. I would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's chamber, my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up nor wake my love till he please. I want you in the first place to understand where she's at because you may be there this morning. She said, in previous chapter, we had such close intimacy. I sat under his shadow with great delight. His fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me into the banquet in the house and his banner over me was love. He embraced me and held me to himself. And then he bids her to come. Go outside. He said, I want to see your face. I want to see your countenance. I want to hear your voice. I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk with me. I want you to be out in public. I want you to just tell folk about me. I want to demonstrate my resurrection power to you. I want you to be able to share my love with people and see the Holy Spirit of God deal with them and draw them and touch them and minister to people. In Jesus' name, I want, you to, I want, I want the world to see that. But she's hesitant. And she doesn't respond. And so when you come to chapter 3, it's almost an immediate sequence. She said, by night on my bed, I sought him, but I didn't find him. She's in that situation where she wants to be. She's in her comfort zone, that place of rest, that place of comfort, And she wants him to be where she wants him to be. I wonder how many of you want Jesus to be where you want him to be. But you don't want to be where he wants you to be. How many of you want Jesus when you get in a tight? I mean, when you can't pay your bills, you want Jesus. And when you you have physical problems and loved ones, cancer invades their body. How many of you really want him to be with you during those times? But when he calls you, you don't respond. When he wants you to go with him, you don't respond. You want to use him. You want him to be in where you want him to be. And she said, I saw him on my bed but I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. You're not dictate to him the conditions of your fellowship with him. 
You can't just say, I'm going to love him on Sunday morning from 11 to 12. You won't say, I'll love him, but I won't let him interfere with my recreation or I won't let him interfere with my lifestyle. You can't have it that way. She wanted him to be where he, she was, but he wanted her to be where he was and doing what he was doing. She said, by night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. Now, she really does love him. And I'm convinced that there are people who really do love the Lord, but they never experience what I'm talking about this morning because they have sat down and they're in that comfort zone and they're in that place where they're just sitting there. And she said, I sought him whom my soul loved him. I sought him, but I, I didn't find him. By the way, if you'd go through here and note that word him, 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 him. In the short passage of scripture I read to you, 11 times she speaks of him. And then in the last verse, she says he. 12 times she refers to him in those few verses. She's seeking him. You see, it's not just the feeling of ecstasy or the feeling of joy that he wants us to desire, but it's him. Sometime when you're so close to him, I'm telling you, you, the joy just is flooding your soul. Sometime there's peace that passes all understanding, but sometime there's a burden and there's an urgency for the gospel. And there's something in your soul that, like Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. And, 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 and sometimes there's times when inside of you, there is such a longing to see God do something or for some will of God in your life. But she says, I, I want him. I'm seeking him. But she tried to seek him in that place of comfort. Notice the next little phrase. She said, I will I will rise now in the middle of the night and go into the city, into the streets, into the broadways and seek, and I will seek him whom my soul loveth. And I sought him, but I found him not. She went out and she tried to find him in this particular place, but she couldn't find him. She sought him maybe in the wrong places, with the wrong motive, but she's trying to find him, but she couldn't find him. Why? I wonder why she couldn't find him. The Bible says that he can be found when you seek him with all of your heart. When you seek him with all of your heart. There are some times that, that you seek him and you can't really get in fellowship with him because he wants us to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. But she couldn't find him there. You know, it seems like sometimes when God speaks to us, and he wants us to do something and we disobey him. There's an interval time there to where he doesn't fellowship with us like he used to. You know why? In my own personal case, I've I, I, been times when, boy, he was so real to me and there'd just be something that happened that seemed like it broke fellowship and I knew it. And then I began to seek him and cry after him and, and long for him. And you know what? I, I, I just, it just didn't come back immediately. It just didn't show back up immediately. You know why? Because the longer I didn't have that 
close intimacy with him, the more I wanted it. I mean, it just got to be a consuming thing, and I wanted it more than anything. And I understood. I began to understand that it was him. It was him that I was seeking. It was his fellowship. It was his, his presence in my life that I needed. And oh, on those blessed occasions when God, by the Holy Ghost, uh, Ghost of God, came and made himself real to me once again. Oh, how I treasured that time. Oh, what a blessing it was when he would respond in that way. She said, I sought him. And she said, I tried to find him on my own, but I couldn't find him. And then she says this. Notice what she says in verse number three. She said, the watchman that goeth about the city found me. Somebody found her. Holy Ghost of God sent somebody by her. And this watchman represents perhaps the man of God who sees you in that state. And he says to you, who are you looking for? And she says, and she responds and, and she says this to him. And she said, family, to whom I said, saw ye him who my soul loveth. There's not much response in this passage of scripture. If this is the preacher, he may have pointed, he may have told you he, he went this way or he's over here. But didn't say that. But let me say this to you. Nobody, nobody can get you in fellowship with the Lord but you. Oh, you say, well, I, I, I've got to, I need this and I need that. No, you need the Lord. You need to get close to him. You're his child, born again. I try to preach the word of God and I try to help you. But I can't get right with God for you. I, I can't get you to have fellowship with him. I want to more than anything in the world. I, I want you to just love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, and soul. I want, I want him, you to be so close to him that you can't, he, he's just overflowing out of you all the time. And you have that joy and peace of being in his presence. But I can't do that for you. There's no watchman that can do that. There's not, there's not a preacher. It's not David Jeremiah. It's not, not Chuck Swindoll. It's not anybody you may know. It's no great preacher. There's nobody that can get you back in fellowship with the Lord but you. Nobody. Oh, they can challenge you and they can point you and they can preach the word of God to you. But the truth of the matter is in everybody's service, in any, any kind of service you get to, there are those who hear and respond and obey and there are those who don't. And that's your decision. That's your decision. But she says, I, I sought him, but I couldn't find him on my own. And she said, I, I tried to get somebody else to help me. And they couldn't help me. But now notice the sequence. And she says, but she goes on in verse 4. And it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul left. Here's what I'm talking about. That time when he makes himself real to you again, that time when you've sought him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, that time when you've longed for the filling and the touch of the Holy Spirit of God, and he, he blesses you for that. How do you respond to that? Notice what she said. She said, when I found him, I held him. I held him. And I would not let him go. Boy, I, I think about that when, when uh, Jacob was wrestling with an angel at night. And, and he was less, and the day was coming and the angel said, let me go, let me go. The day's breaking. And Jacob said this, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. She's treasuring his presence. My dear friend, if you've ever known it, church won't satisfy you. 
Sunday school courtly won't satisfy you. I mean, just going through the routine and getting in and being seen and going to the house, that's not what it's all about. If you've ever had that encounter with the Lord when he's real to you, I mean, you can feel his touch. You know his presence. You know he's there. My dear friend, that's what we need with all of our heart. Listen, what the moon, here's, here's a great little thing I wrote down. I think it'd be a blessing to you. What the moon is to the night or the sun to the day or not the Nile to Egypt or the dew to the herb, so is the soul of a human that is in the presence of Jesus Christ. Oh, that presence, my dear friend, made the apostle church mighty and the lack of it caused the medieval dark ages to come on the scene of human mankind. My dear friend, there's nothing like his presence, nothing like him being real in your life. And she said, when I found him, I held him. How is it that you could maintain that closeness to him? How is it that you can, how could you keep that closeness to him? The freshness of it. Number one, you must realize your condition. You must realize where you are. So many people in this building and in the internet this morning, they don't know where they are. Last night, we, we were about the last ones to leave the church house. And so it was raining and we were, dry, we were trying to be very careful. So we got home pretty late last night. Melissa and Claire were with us and Clara eventually went to sleep. And so when we came down 210 and got ready to turn in their road, Melissa began to wake her up. And she was disoriented. She really didn't know where she was. She didn't know. She didn't write. And Melissa kept saying, we're at home. We're at home. We're at home. And she didn't understand where she was. And sometimes in your Christian experience, you don't realize how you've drifted. You don't realize that you've gotten cold. You don't realize that you, you're, you're, you're sleeping spiritually. And the Bible said in the book of Romans, it's high time to awake thou that sleepest. But you've got to understand that you're not there yet. You're not, you're not in his intimate fellowship. You're not close to him. You don't have his presence. You don't have his power. Be honest about it and come to God and say, God, I want you to feel me. I want to be close to you. I want to feel your presence. Not just a routine. It's not just a ritual. It's not just, just going through a, just church, but it's a close relationship with him. The time's coming, my dear friend, the doors on this church may be closed and everyone in America may be closed. And if you don't cultivate a relationship with him where you can worship with him in the confines and a secluded place, just you and your family, my dear friend, you may, you're going to be in big trouble down the road. There are places around this world that they are not allowed to gather to worship like you are here. And to call on the name of Jesus is a, is a, a, a pronouncement of death. You've got to learn to walk with him. You're going to need more than just a little dose of religion on Sunday morning before this thing is over with. You'd better learn to be close to him. You better learn how to hold him. How do you hold him? How do you hold him? The Bible said, he said, if you'll draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. It has to do with your approach. I want him. It's not something that's casual. It's not something just happens every now and then when maybe a good preacher comes by or an evangelist comes by or somebody sings a song that moves you. But it is the, your heart's cry I, that I might know him. I want to draw nigh to him on Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that all through the week. I, my my affection set on him. I'm draw nigh to God. 
If you'll draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. How do you hold him? How do you hold him? You hold him in your prayer life. You talk with him. You talk with him. Over the years, I've talked with couples. You know what happens? They get to where they don't talk anymore. They don't commune anymore. They don't just sit in, in, in fellowship anymore. That's already, they're so busy, got, don't have time for one another. Just to sit down and talk. But I'm going to tell you something. He, you hold him when you talk with him. You know, on the road to Emmaus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, was walking with those disciples. And, and, and they were telling him all about the fact that Jesus died. And then he opened their eyes and they saw it was him. And, and oh, they, as they came by their house, the Bible said he made as if he would go on. That they bid him stay. And he went out and he sat down with them and they, he fellowshiped with them. And they broke bread together. My dear friend, if you don't want to fellowship with him, he won't fellowship with you. If you don't say, don't leave me. Please stay close to me. I'm not talking about so far as you're, you're the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, but I'm talking about that fellowship with him. You hold him by your desire, your, your approach to him, draw nigh to him, but also because of your appetite for him. Lord, don't leave. Please, please keep give me that power. Give me that anointing. Fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. You hold him, my dear friend, by your approach to him. Draw nigh to him. You hold him, my dear friend, by your appetite for him. You hold him by your affections for him. You love him. You express it to him. You love him with all your heart. Cling to him. Stay for him. Listen, you're willing to be what he wants you to be and go where he wants you to go. You're willing to seek his approval. You want to please him. It's not what you want. We go to him with a grocery list telling him everything we want. But how often do you go to him and say, Lord, what do you want? Lord, I, I'm not going to ask you for even this or that or the other. But Lord, what is it you want me to do? Seek his will. Obey him. Be what he wants you to be. Stay close to him. She said, she said, I sought him and I found him and I held him whom my soul loved and I would not let him go. She sought him and she held him, loved him. And in that relationship, what a blessing that is. And then she said, I brought him, brought him. Now the Holy Ghost of God indwells every believer. And I hear people say from time to time something like this. I don't ever pray for the Holy Spirit of God to come into service because I brought him when I came. That's exactly true. I do believe the Bible says that when we gather together, we're two or three gathered together, there am I in the midst. There is, a, there is that universal, that is that over, overshadowing presence of God. But every believer has the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. And she said, I brought him into my mother's house. That's kind of like the church. I brought him in to the presence of all of the other children. And when I came into the house of God, they knew I'd been with him and they knew we'd been together. I wonder how many of you walk into the house of God, having already been with him, having already held him, having already not would let him go. And he's blessed you so. And when you walk in here, you walk in with a song in your heart and do what the Bible said. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You came in a praising. 
I'm thankful there's been times that those, that I've been in services where people came in, they kind of drug, just drug themselves in and they, they would, they were in a stupor and about half asleep, but God moved in and God blessed them. And when they left, they left on fire. But I also thank God when somebody comes through the door with a song in their heart, a praise on their lips and they walk in and you know, they've been with Jesus. Thank God for that. And she said, I held him. and I would not let him go. I brought him into my mother's house. What a blessing. Seeking him. Seeking him. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever earnestly sought him and his power? Now, there's going to be a lot more to this progression. You, if you don't come on Sunday night, you're going to miss it. You'll be hung up and you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But my dear friend, I want to tell you something. It's more than just hanging around the church house. It's more than just going through a ritual. There's a real living Savior that wants to be with you personally, wants to be with you every day. Now, the problem is some folk try to have that without ever having him. Some people try to have that Christian attitude and Christian activity without ever having Christ. They've never been born again. I've, I've been thinking about what I preached about on Wednesday night. I preached on the favorite Bible verse of the folk from Benson Grove. That was the number one Bible verse. And I'm, I'm still amazed at the life of Nicodemus, how that he lived his whole life, probably in his mid-30s at least, or maybe even a little older, because he was a master of Israel. He's in, he was in the hierarchy of Israel religiously. But he didn't know Christ. And he spent all of his day reading the scriptures, all of his day doing good deeds, all of the day uh, uh, praying. And he didn't know Christ. He's not saved. That's why he had no joy. That's why he had no peace. That's why he had to seek the Savior. And some of you this morning need to seek him for salvation. You need to come to him. He that cometh to me, he said, I'll in no wise cast out. If you'll come to him this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I'm not saved. I need to be saved. He'll save you. I promise you will. But some of you need to seek him for personal revival and get close to him once again. I wonder, do you have any desire for that? Do you long to be close to him? Do you long to be in fellowship with him? He'll come to those who want to be blessed. He'll come to those who want him to to be them to be in his presence. Seeking him with all of your heart, you can find him. Do you know that? Do you know what it is to know him in that intimacy? I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Brother Brad's going to come. God will lead him for a song here in a moment. But while we have our heads bowed and eyes are closed this morning, seeking him, she said, I sought him on my bed. I couldn't find him. You, you won't find him in your comfort zone. He's not going to be where you want him to be. He'll be where you, he wants you to be. He wants to demonstrate to you who he is and how powerful he is and what a, what a joy it is to know him and walk with him. You know what? You can have that. And, and the world is pulling at you every way in the world. And there was a time maybe, there was a time maybe when you knew him in a more personal way than you do now. Not that you're not his child, but there was a time when he was real and vibrant in your life. There was a time when you were not ashamed 
as Brent sang about a while ago. Because you, it was just a, it wasn't spiritual arrogance. It was just real to you. You loved him. You weren't ashamed of that. He'd forgiven you of all your sin, and you're just so overwhelmed by his grace and mercy. You couldn't help but just tell people what Jesus had done for you. But after a while, when he spoke to you and called you to do this and called you to do that and led you to do that, and you got a little bit intimidated or you just didn't want to get out of your comfort zone and you did fail to respond, and next thing you know, when you sought him, you couldn't find him. You couldn't find him. I wondered this morning, nobody's looking around, but I wonder if there's be some folk in this morning who'd say to me, Brother Billy, I'm saved. But I'll be honest with you, I am not in that close, intimate relationship where he's real to me, vibrant to me, where the Word of God's life. My prayer life is vibrant, and I have an encounter with God on a daily basis. And he does walk with me and talk with me. Brother Billy, that's just not real to me. I've just kind of got cold, stale, and, and it's, I, I'm, it's not where I ought to be. I'm not where I ought to be. Preacher, would you pray for me? Nobody's looking. Would you raise your hand? across this congregation. If you're in that state this morning, say, Preacher, I'm not where I ought to be. I want you to pray for me. Anybody here this morning like that? God bless you. 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 I wonder this morning, is there a man or woman or boy or girl who'd be honest and say, Brother Billy, I don't know Christ. I've never been saved by the grace of God. And I want you to pray for me that I'd be saved. If I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven. But preacher, will you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? Let me acknowledge it and just remember you in prayer. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? Thank you so much. God bless you, friend. Let me put your hands down. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that God's people would know the real, that they know what it means to walk with the Lord and have their hearts to burn within them as He opens to them the Word of God. I pray, God, that they might commune with Him as friend with friend. They might know you in that way and know your presence and know your power. And know, God, that you're with them. And no matter what they face, that you're God there. And re- it's real to them. Real to them. I pray, God, they can sense your presence and feel the blessings. And, God, there be times that they just get overwhelmed with the love of God and the presence of God. And there are times, our Father, that the burden of God, the burden of their heart for lost and dying world grips their soul. And they know it's the Holy Spirit of God. And they... Lord, are brought, drawn into a time of prayer and intercession for friends and family and loved ones and to pray as Jesus prayed. Oh, God, I pray, God, we could know that. The power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Now, Father, I pray, God, you to awaken that, quicken that in your people. Our Father, there were several raised their hand that they need to be there. God, so very many didn't respond. Maybe they are already there. That's a blessing. God, I pray you'd move on hearts this morning. Then, Lord Jesus, most of all right now, 
for that soul that's nearest hell, for that man, that woman, that young person who does not know for sure they're saved. God, I want to thank you that you said these things have been written that you might know you have eternal life. And I, Father, this is your work. This is your building. This is your people. God, I ask in Jesus' name this morning that, God, you'd work in and through us and draw people. God, I pray you'd give, Lord, grace (laughs) to those who raise their hand. And, God, this morning would be the morning that, God, they'd give their heart to you and know that they were saved. And God, I'll thank you. Will you stand please with your heads bowed for just a moment? (coughs) Some of you understood completely what I talked about this morning. Some of you didn't have a clue. I would pray that God the Holy Ghost would trouble you over that. That God the Holy Spirit would awaken your senses to that that there is a life in Christ that's real and genuine, that he can be with you. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, I shall be in you and with you. You can ask what you will and I'll do it. He said, my presence will be with you and my peace I'll give to you. Not as the world gives peace, but I'll give you my peace. You can know that. If you don't know that, if you don't know the power of his resurrection, if you don't know the empowerment that comes on a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, when they witness for Christ, not ashamed, but they witness for him and experience and understand it was not you. It was not you. It was God, Holy Ghost of God on you. What a humbling and blessed experience that is. I'm going to invite you to come get around this altar. And if you're here this morning and you raise your hand that you're not saved, I want you to know I love you. This church loves you, and we want you to be saved. If you take one step of faith and just come, God the Holy Ghost will bring you the rest of the way. And this morning could be the greatest day of your life. You can know Jesus beyond any shadow of a doubt this morning and be saved.